Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Sponsored by Max Muscle Sports Nutrition. Introducing your host, Sacramento King's Insider, James Hamm. Welcome to the CSN King's Insider Podcast. I am James Hamm. Joining me, Doug Christie. It's car cast time. It is. It's car cast time. It's not a podcast. This is a car cast. That's right. We are driving back from San Francisco. Uh, the Sacramento Kings just got walloped in the third quarter against the Golden State Warriors. I don't even know what the final score was, Doug. I don't think it even mattered. No, because this was the greedy game. You got the game against the Lakers, which was, in my opinion, the one that you really needed to do. You had a 4-2 and homestand, which was fantastic. And you were being greedy, trying to come to Golden State. You beat them once and try to get a W. And, you know, tonight, the, the explosion. You pointed out to me in the other three quarters, first, second, and fourth, the Kings were either winning it or right in it. The four, uh, third quarter, 42 big points by Golden State Warriors. you got to give them credit. Yeah, they got outscored by 27 in the third quarter. There was a 28 to 2 run. And if you took the first the the second and the fourth quarters, the Kings actually did outscore the Warriors on those three quarters combined. But once Klay Thompson got hot, this game was over. I mean, he just started dropping in things from all over the place. And that's how this team, this Golden State Warriors team kind of rolls. They get one guy hot and then you try to take that away, and then another guy gets hot, and the next thing you know, it's a 28-2 to run, and you're done. Yeah, you, I was laughing with Cozumore as we were watching the game because when the ball swings around with Golden State, it seems like every player you catch it, you go, oh, damn, because they are all really, really good shooters. Yeah, and it looked like they were wide open. You're like, oh, he's that that's not good. He's wide open. I, you know, Clay Thompson almost shoots flat-footed. It's very strange. But you know it's going in almost every single time. I mean, he finished the game with 35 points. Durant was really good. He wasn't good last time the two teams played. Steph Curry didn't have a great game, and Draymond Green, of course, threw a crazy fit in the at the end of the second quarter and got tossed from the game. Very strange sort of watch a team that can just throttle you. You played on a team that could do that, that could just hop up and – and drop 40 and a quarter with no questions. What does it feel like when you're going through something like that? It's awesome, man. I, I mean, once it starts rolling, it's just like, a, you know, a rock or a snowball rolling downhill. And you saw the Kings begin to start turning the ball over. And then all of a sudden, when you see or when you're involved in that, whether it was, you know, me getting a steal and we're getting out in the open court or Paige hitting a three-pointer, and then something happens back-to-back. -back, and that's what you want. You want score, stop, score. And when you start putting it together like that and you got the fans behind you and they get rocking and rolling before you know it, it it's an avalanche. And, and that's what 
what happened. But it is a, it's a good feeling. It's a feeling uh, as a team. You know, the bench gets involved. Everyone gets involved. Hands are getting on balls. And before you know it, you're in the open court. And that's really where, if you look at it, I'll have to get my stat sheet. But they, it was I think it was like 38 to something tonight in fast break points. And this team gets going in Golden State. And once they are, they're hard to stop. Yeah, that was one of the bigger the bigger numbers that stood out to me too. Was the uh, was the fast break points? The Kings aren't a good fast break team, and in fact, they don't try to go out and and fast break very often. You know, Omri Caspi is gone, and he's kind of that guy that would get out and run for this team. He's the cherry picker of the group. Uh, just so people know, the the thump 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 you hear that we're on the Bay Bridge. Uh, we're we're cruising home uh, on the. Doug and James Carcast, uh, <laughs> but you know when this team, the Sacramento Kings, that is, when they stop scoring for any amount of time, and you're playing a team like the Warriors, I, I talked about this in pregame. I think the biggest key to playing the Warriors is actually hitting your shots. If you stop hitting your shots, they just make you pay because you can't get back and set your defense. And that's where I think this team is so incredibly dangerous. They're the most dangerous team in the NBA by a long shot. I don't, you know, maybe the Houston Rockets can compete with that on occasion. But, man, when they're rolling, it, it's just absolutely incredible to watch. And as a fan of basketball, I mean, sorry, Kings fans, but, you know, it happened to your team. But, you know, I like to watch them play. They, they're unselfish. Uh, even guys like JaVale McGee passing the ball and making cuts and, and doing the little things to help them compete, they're, they're I don't know, are they a little odds-on favorite to win this thing again? Well, I think right now when you look at it and you look at the fact that Kevin Love is now out six to eight weeks with a knee injury, J.R. Smith is out, and, you know, Cleveland's dinged up. They they let go of Birdman trying to get a roster spot, but who really are they going to get to fill in there? Uh, you got LeBron James, you have a chance, but when you talk man for man, the ability to explode on the offensive end, and Coach Yeager mentioned it in the postgame, the length of them. They are longer in person when you get there. KD 6'11", Draymond covers a lot of ground, Clay is legitimately 6'7", and, and Steph 6'3", or 6'4". They, they cover ground, they shoot the ball, and, and they try to extend their defense. So I would say right now they would have to be the odds-on favorite. Yeah, I, I think they are too. And, you know, the Kings tried plenty of times just basic entry passes, like over the top, and they couldn't get it over the over the Golden State Warriors. They are so incredibly long. And their bench of young guys, I thought they played really well too. They helped they kind of kept them in the game. The Kings made a nice run to end the first half. They really fought hard. And I think that's what the one thing I'll point about the point out about this Kings team that we've seen over the last couple of weeks is they have a tenacity, a grittiness to them that you don't ever feel like they're out of a game. You might not like the way that they're playing. They might be down by 15 or 18 or 22 in the first half, but they have. you always feel like they're going to make a run, and I think that's a rare sort of, I don't know what you want to, like it's rare that you see that in a, in a team that's just been put together this season where they are just so incredibly tenacious. Well, I think it starts with their two leaders. Uh, first of all, DeMarcus Cousins and then Matt Barnes. They have a very chippy, never give up, go after it, get after it type of attitude that was, uh, you know, 
shown last night against the, the Lakers with the two offensive rebounds late, one by Matt Barnes and another one on a, a free throw by DeMarcus Cousins. And as that personality starts to permeate through the team, it begins to be a, uh, you know, especially the fact that they're being positive and encouraging each other. And we hear it in DeMarcus saying, look, we're never going to give up. We're just going to keep going after it. And guys begin to believe that we're going to make shots. We're going to get back in it. And the NBA is a game of runs, Ham. You'll see it a lot. You know, tonight it was 28 to 2, a huge run yeah. by the Golden State Warriors. But we've seen the Kings go on them. Uh, when the run first started, I said, you know, it's okay. If the Kings can get a nice little 6 0 run, you hang around, you keep pressure on people. And before you know it, you make shots. And when you have a guy with the talent and the skill set of a DeMarcus Cousins, you keep him hanging around and he'll be able to close the deal and then put you in position for a guy like uh, Darren Collison to go in and make a shot, Ben McLemore making shots. So I like the grittiness as well. You know, Doug, this is a second straight game that DeMarcus Cousins did not pick up a technical foul, which is huge. Uh, it's huge because, of course, he's at 17 techs and one more technical foul, and he has to sit out another game and uh, lose, like, what amounts to a giant truckload of cash. I mean, there are houses that you can buy in California for less than, like, 160000 bucks that he keeps hit, getting hit with every single time he gets suspended. But how much do you think this being on the precipice of suspension is going to change DeMarcus and force him to be something that that really I think everybody wants to see. They want to see that that moment where he grows up, but he's being forced into it. it can you live that way? Can you survive that way? Or do you think this is going to be just one of the more difficult things he's going to have to go through? Well, I think when you get put into a position in an, or environment like that, there's a learning that goes on as well, whether it's forced or not. A lot of times you want it to happen without have something to be forced, but uh, that it's not always the case. And the fact is, I say you get what you need, not what you want. And he needs to learn how to curb that and still be able to be the DeMarcus that I personally love from the standpoint of I like the chippiness and the grittiness. There just needs to be that level of razor blade control where you're on that edge, but you don't go over. And I, I really think more than anything, he wants to be out there. He wants to win. Now that he's at that number, he knows that he has has to control that so he makes sure that he stays out there on the court. So albeit a bad thing of the 17 techs, something good comes out of it because maybe he begins to learn that lesson and figure out how do I function in a way that I'm still dominant as all heck, but at the same time I'm able to keep my chippiness and help my team win. All right, we are driving through Berkeley on the Doug and James CarCast uh, we'll continue to update you as we drive back towards Sacramento. Uh, Sacramento Kings get hammered by the Golden State Warriors. But, Doug, four-game winning streak coming into this. They had won five out of six yep. coming into this game. They're just a game and a half out of the eighth seed. They get the Denver Nuggets uh, Wednesday when they come back from the All-Star break. How much do you think this team has in the tank? Are they 
Do you like their chances? Do you like their chances of making it? You know, I, I do. I like the fact that what they've shown in, in the grittiness and, and the ability to come back and the never-give-up attitude, that's exactly what you need to garner a position in the playoffs because you got to continue to fight. You don't give in. Uh, you might be down. You never know what happens. And then when you have a guy with the talent and the skill set of DeMarcus Cousin, he is a top-ten talent in the NBA, you have – that on your roster that means that you have a chance because at any time he can go out and get you 50 or he can get you 20 and 12 and 8 and or 20 or get a triple double so when you have that then you get Garrett Temple back you know Ty Lawson comes back Omri Caspi comes back hopefully um, uh, you know uh, not Scal Malachi isn't you know isn't totally hurt you continue to have Ben depending on what Vlade does with the trade deadline you don't know what the team's going to look like. But Coach Yeager and his coaching staff has the team mentally in a really, really good place to vie for that eighth spot, and I like their chances. All right, we're going to get to the trade deadline stuff in just a second, but you've played for a team that lost its star, that had its star go down for an extended period of time, and then when he came back, it it sort of disrupted everything, trying to balance it out and trying to figure out a way to get him back. The Kings aren't going through that because Cousins has played all but two games all season, one due to suspension and one to rest early in the season. But when you look at all of these pieces that are coming back, do you think it's easier for a team to bring back a role player than it is to bring back a star? Because, I mean, they're going to be flooded with role players here. Garrett Temple... Uh, Ty Lawson, like like you just said, uh, possibly Omri Caspi, whether he's going to get to play or not is, is going to be up to Dave Yeager and sort of the need uh, since he's been out for so many games. I think it's 17 games he's missed. He's only played 22 games a season. But do you think it's going to help the team a little bit that the guys that come in aren't the guys who are running the show? They're not ball dominant. Uh, they're not the guy who you require to, you know, to – Set, set you up for 20 points a game it's it's more of the guy who's coming in doing the dirty work you know that's an interesting question ham because when you talk about bringing back a star they need to be a star and sometimes it can take time whereas when you look at the situation that the kings are in and i use darren collison and ty lawson for an example darren collison minus eight games at the beginning of the year kind of got off to a slow start not the darren collison we were used to seeing and then all of a sudden he started getting more minutes and he's really really playing some fantastic fantastic basketball but he's logging a lot of minutes so since he's logging a lot of minutes now all of a sudden no Ty Lawson he has to be out there well after the all-star break he will get a bit of rest and be ready to go but Ty Lawson will need to find his legs find his rhythm now maybe you can back Darren off a little bit give Ty Lawson some more minutes and it may fall into a nice little groove the same thing with Ben McLemore and Garrett Temple Ben has been playing absolutely fantastic basketball you can maybe back him off a little bit, put Garrett in there, and you can find minutes for these guys that they are able to contribute to the team, and it really should keep things going. Just hopefully uh, it doesn't take a, a lot of time. When you look at a Omri Caspi, now that uh, Rudy is not there, there are minutes there for him to maybe come in. If 
Tolliver isn't playing well, you put in Omri. Omri has been a spark plug. So it should be easier for Coach Yeager to find it. He's been an absolute master of figuring out, I called him today on radio, the puppet master, finding out what what do I go with, who's playing well. He's done a great job of it. I don't see it being any different in the second half of the season. All right. Now, we, we've brought up Ben McLemore a couple of times here. Ben McLemore is playing some of the best basketball of his career. His confidence level's at an all-time high. He's catching and shooting. He's knocking down three balls. I, mean, I think he came into the Warriors game shooting 50% from behind the arc over his last six games, I believe. Right. Uh, I think he's averaging like over 17 a game over his last four. I mean, he's really sort of found a groove. Uh, when you see Garrett Temple about to come back, can that? how do you get Ben to, to shake it off and just like, look, whether you're playing 18 minutes or you're playing 36 minutes or you're playing 12 minutes, we need you to give everything that you got and to play with that same confidence and give us a new layer that we're missing when you, you, know, when you were struggling early in the season. You know, that, that's another interesting one because when I, I look at Ben and you bring Garrett back, if Ben is playing like that, he can be your starting two guard. And then Garrett has the ability to play the one and the two. But what's interesting is you got Malachi Richardson. Let's say that Malachi is, is healthy. Malachi is bigger than you think. Could you start him and play him at the three? Could you move him around a little bit? And and then now you got a, a young guy there at the three and you got a two. Or if you're going to play him at the two and you got Bogdan Bogdanovich coming over, so now all of a sudden does Ben become expendable? And now does he built up a cachet with people around the league? But you would hate to give up on a young 24-year-old Ben McLemore who came out early and now he's beginning to pay dividend so it's an interesting and, and a good problem to have in in my estimation is that you have a, a nice little group of wing players that are starting to come into their own and show a lot of promise you know you bring up something there do you think that Malachi Richardson could be a small forward in the league I mean he's six six with a seven foot wingspan but he's thick yes he's he is really thick and he's aggressive defensively he can shoot the corner three. Do you think it's possible he could be maybe a 3 and D plus guy, a guy who can can give you the three-point shot but maybe give you a little bit more because we do know how strong he is going to the basket as well? Yeah, uh, he's showing a lot of things that you know people really didn't know if he had or that he had. But when I look at Garrett Temple, Garrett Temple's a guy that can play the one and the two. But then you got a guy like Malachi that I'm seeing, it looks like he could play the two and the three. So it, it just uh, allows you the ability to, because he also brought the ball up the floor tonight. He's showing that he can dribble the ball and handle the ball a little better than I thought. So there's the ability for him, I would say, with his thickness, you know, being 6'6", he should be able to, to guard or compete against most threes. And if he does play against a bigger three, you're, he's showing you now the jab step and the one dribble pull up with the quickness that a bigger three might not be able to stay in front of him. So my answer to you, long-winded, would be, yeah, I think he can play the three as well. Interesting. The multi-positional player is something the Sacramento Kings have struggled to find over the last few years, but now it does seem like they're starting to accumulate them. Again, Garrett Temple can play multiple positions. Darren Collison can play the one, the two. Yes. You know, Ben McLemore can play the two, the three. 
Malachi can play the two to the three. Aaron Aflalo can play the two to the three. You look at Tolliver, he can play the the three, the four, a little bit of three. But Omri Caspi can play the three, the four. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein and DeMarcus Cousins can play the four, the five. So you're starting to see this sort of multi-positional uh, player that where that really helps is in defensive switches. So it, it's fine on the offensive end. You're going to have these guys moving around. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, which is the center of the Kings universe. But you also have this need to have somebody else uh, sort of be able to take your man and not be a huge sort of size difference every single time you switch. Do you think that that's something that Jaeger is looking at and saying, man, I think we might be onto something here where having all of these multi-positional players will really make us a better defensive team long-term. You, you have to think so because now you're, you're heading into positionless basketball, and it is not just here in Sacramento, but it's everywhere. When you got a guy in Draymond Green that plays the five sometimes, but he's 6'8", but he, you know, he's a four, but then he brings the ball up the court, uh, you know, and when you look at the Kings and the ability of a DeMarcus Cousins to sometimes bring the ball up the court, or he can play the four or the five, then you've got Willie Cauley-Stein who can step out on threes and stay in front of them with his quickness and length and range. Uh, I think it just shows Coach Yeager that I have so many different ways that I can go about something, that that's how you solve a puzzle on a night-to-night basis as a coach, and you try to find where is that mismatch going to be? What is the rhythm going to be? And the more coach continues to do that, I think that he's finding pieces to the puzzle that he might not even know he had. All right. You're listening to the Doug and James CarCast. We're currently driving through Hercules on our way Back to lovely Say Hercules? Hercules. 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 Okay, I see it. <laughs> and we're going to break some news while we're driving. Uh, the uh, Sacramento Kings have just said that Malachi Richardson will undergo an MRI on his right hamstring tomorrow, uh, which would be Thursday, to check the damage. Uh, he, with a minute four left, he pulled up and uh, grabbed his right hamstring against the Warriors. It's not something you want to see, but in all honesty, Doug, is it possible that Malachi Richardson, with the return of Ty Lawson and Garrett Temple, uh, possibly Omri Caspi, is it possible that Malachi wasn't going to play that much down the stretch anyways because a couple of reasons. Number one, he's a rookie. Number two, Dave Yeager doesn't particularly like handing big minutes to rookies. Number three, Ben McLemore has played extremely well. Is it is it possible that this injury, while it's not good to see a rookie go down, but it might be just another learning experience for Malachi where he gets to see what's happening and get a different perspective on this team? It, it totally is. It's funny how things happen like that. I think that uh, with, with Malachi and Coach Yeager, I think Yeager has seen that this kid can play and he's earned minutes and he trusts him. He puts him out there. He's, he's slowly played him in the first half one time and not in the second half. And then he began to give him more and more of a uh, of a rope to go out there and compete. And, and I think that he really liked what he's seen. And, you know, with everyone who's gone through this, whether it's Ben, whether it was Tolliver early in the season, Omri Caspi went through it, Willie Cauley-Stein went through it, where they were in the rotation 
rotation or they weren't in the rotation, then they were in the rotation. The biggest thing is Jaeger's coaching staff has kept these guys prepared to go out there and compete. They've all been ultra professional. So that allows Coach Jaeger the ability, Ham, to say on any given night, I can, instead of saying you are going to play, it's going to say go out there and compete. And if you're not competing, I can bring somebody else in who's going to compete. Not that guys aren't competing. Maybe, maybe that's the wrong word. Or playing well or hitting your shots or just off your rhythm or whatever it is. So it'll be interesting to see the mismatch that Coach goes with down the, down the stretch here. Okay, so let's talk about the four-game win streak a little bit. Uh, what do we have? Uh, we starts with Boston with no DeMarcus Cousins. He's out due to suspension. Then the Kings knock off the Hawks. Um, what has stood out to you in this in this stretch where the Kings have sort of systematically, I mean, they take out the Pelicans, uh, they take out the Lakers. What is it that you've seen from this, this team? They haven't blown anybody really out, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, a win is a win is a win. Yeah, you know, the one thing I thought that it actually started before the the four games uh, is on the road. They they started to learn how to play through DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus started getting on the block, and being the willing passer that he is, he started to move the ball, find guys, and guys were knocking down shots. Things look fantastic when the shots are going in. But then and, and you pair that with that never give up, continue to compete mentality. They always feel like they're in the game. But I've really liked the assists. I've really liked the ball movement. I've liked the player movement as well. Guys are out. They're getting after it on the defensive end. But, uh, you know, I really look at where they're putting DeMarcus on the floor. You're seeing him on the box. You're seeing him at the elbow and the high post. And then he's still getting his three-pointers up, but he's more or less getting them in transition. Darren Collison has been fantastic, and a guy who who's just kind of the Swiss Army knife that does it all has been Matt Barnes. He's gotten double-doubles. He's hitting the boards. He's getting rebounds. And it's been a really, really team effort. But more than anything, Ham, to answer your question, the ball movement has been absolutely fantastic all right we are heading across the uh the carcanus bridge doug is manning the fast track as we cruise through the uh the toll booth um if you don't have a fast track i'm just going to give it a a a quick talk you have to get a fast track it's the greatest thing uh if you've got to drive to the bay area all the time like doug and i do uh yeah doug Doug, you don't have your fast track no i do not i I stop and pay yeah just go to go to costco and get your fast track and link it to your your credit card uh that's what we talk about here on the car cast doug this is this is true hopefully they give me a free one since you're giving them a shout out there you go they were almost to uh well we're in vallejo i think is that where we're at i think we're in vallejo now uh yeah so so doug the trade deadline's coming up and you know uh you're fun friends with vladi uh, you've known Vlade for, I don't know, close to 20 years now, right? Yes, sir. And uh, he's got the keys to the car here. And if you're Vlade, not specifically with players, but are you aggressive or do you want to you wanna let this team grow and see what they have and, and let this team see if they can make it to that eight spot just as a group? You know, that's an interesting concept because – 
you know, it's really the dynamic between Vlade and Coach Yeager on what they see. Like, can can we do this? Or is this a- absolutely a possibility? And then the question of uh, is Demarcus the cornerstone, which I gone on record many times saying I truly think that he is the cornerstone and you put pieces around him is there a piece that you can get at this particular time that is going to be that next level piece to help you moving forward because I think that you got to continue and and Vlade must continue uh, to try to think down the road and start to think ahead of what it is that you're going to need for your future I, I thought that uh, you know bringing in Tolliver bringing in Garrett uh, 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 Temple bringing in uh, Ty Lawson. Those are three guys that have absolutely delivered the goods and been fantastic for the Kings this year. Willie Colley-Stein, the draft pick, has been great as well. And Malachi Richardson has been a, a true, true blessing. So it, it's I don't know that you're aggressive, Ham, but you're, you're definitely listening to some conversations and you're trying to see how can I help bolster this team moving forward? Because it would be great to get the eight seed. It would be great for not only Cuz and, and the whole team. They they need that that experience to understand what that is like. But at the same time, what are you going to need to start being a serious contender? And I think those are the questions that between Jaeger and Vlade have to get answered during this time before the trade deadline arrives. Yeah, and the trade deadline, the Kings will not play a game until the trade deadline. They play a game that night. Yes, they, yeah, they play, 23rd. Yeah, the Denver Nuggets on the 23rd. Um, so this team could look dramatically different. You know, I have heard some rumblings that the Kings have been in discussions where they're the third or the fourth team that's helping to facilitate a bigger trade where maybe they're taking on a veteran that they think can help them more than a veteran or, uh, you know, one of these injured guys. Maybe they they can help them more right now to help them get over the hump. Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at the, the possibility is outside of Cousins right now, is there a player that you think if you just pulled him out of the team that this team would crumble, so don't touch that player right now, whether it's even a short-term player, a long-term player, but a player that you think, man, if if they were silly enough to move that guy, it's it's going to end this season? Um, you know, oddly enough, maybe Matt Barnes, because I, in the locker room, that's because the question that you're asking is, what would make the team crumble? And I, I think that they've got enough pieces to plug guys in when guy they've shown when guys go out. They have multi-dimensional, multi-faceted guys who can go in and make something happen, and guys are stepping up. But in the locker room, it sounds like Matt is kind of that glue guy, that guy that, you know, could that be something? Yeah, that could possibly be something. When everybody is healthy, uh, maybe – Ty Lawson, Willie Colley-Stein, those guys have really, really come on as of late. But to, to be honest, with, with the exception of Cuz, uh, you know, Collison might be another one because he's playing so good. So it, it, it's hard to say because a locker room 
is ham it's a delicate area it's it's really funny how things go in there because there's a flow and a vibe and i would say with the exception of cousins maybe moving someone who's strong in the locker room could really maybe mix things up a little bit yeah you know you bring up Matt barnes and i, I mean i again I, I i've been harsh on matt barnes for uh for you know getting flagrant fouls in inappropriate times but uh some fans don't enjoy his brand of basketball to be honest with you i think he brings a a grittiness to this team we talk about grittiness all the time but he brings something different that the kings have lacked he's that guy who whatever the the team needs that night he seems to be able to bring if if it's scoring he'll hit a couple of three balls if it's rebounding uh like against golden state i I think what do you have 13 14 rebounds Mm -hmm. he's had double-digit rebounds multiple times this season. He's shown that he he's a guy who can really, really do whatever it is that you need to try to get a win. And I, I actually, if you look at the hierarchy of the team, it is Matt Barnes and then DeMarcus and this group of veterans. And there's something that, that I've, uh, I'll be writing on later this week, but... When the Sacramento Kings went out and they signed Garrett Temple and they signed Anthony Tolliver and they signed Aaron Aflalo and Ty Lawson and Matt Barnes, everyone around Sacramento, everyone around the league said, ah, see, they're trying to put a supporting cast of veterans to support DeMarcus Cousins so he can get better with some of these issues that he's had in the past. And I think maybe initially that was part of it. But I, I also think what was missing from a lot of people's minds here on this is that the Kings drafted three first-round picks. They still have a very young Ben McLemore, and they still have a very young Willie Cauley-Stein. And those five young players needed support in the locker room. And to a man, every single one of these young players is pointing at guys like Garrett Temple like Aaron Aflalo, like Ty Lawson, uh, like Anthony Tolliver. They're teaching these guys how to be professionals every step of the way. What was it when you were a young player, who was it that did that for you, and, and how much does that mean at this level? Oh, it's invaluable, man. I, I can go as far back to, you know, even uh, James Worthy as a rookie uh, giving me advice. I, I went to New York. Charles Oakley took Oakley. me under his wing. He's not in the news or anything, right? No, he is not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Oak was absolutely fantastic, showed me how to work, uh, come in early, leave late, make sure that you're getting your shots, all the different things up. Derek Harper was, was fantastic for me uh, talking on the defensive end and then one of my absolute favorites was Herb Williams on the end of the New York bench I had just so many conversations of uh, what to look at how to read things and you know stay positive when you're thinking man I you know I wish I could play I want to play and you got to pay your dues you got to your, your time will come and when that time came I was prepared because of all those different lessons and and great sage advice that I got from guys who had been in the league who had gone through it who had been through many battles and and they were paying 
bringing the information forward. So those things are absolutely invaluable in a locker room, especially when you have young players and especially when you're trying to create a culture because if you if you have those players that they're examples for the younger guys to come early and stay late, those are things that they will pick up and they will take throughout their career, career as well. All right, we are uh, still talking on the Doug and James CarCast. We have made it all the way to Cordelia on our way home. Uh, this is at stop right at 680 where it has, like, every fast food restaurant known to man. Uh, <laughs> if, if you've ever taken a bus trip as a Sacramento youth to any place like Great America, you always stop at Cordelia, so you'll know this stop, uh, Green Valley exit, that area. So, uh so, Doug, this, uh, the reason I bring up these veterans and, and this influence that the veterans are bringing mm-hmm. is because we've seen this miraculous sort of light bulb go on for both Willie Cauley-Stein and Ben McLemore. And, uh, you know, in the past, I know DeMarcus Cousins has been really tough on young players, uh, but having all these veterans around them to sort of solidify what is happening in the locker room and to instill confidence in these guys and keep them up and and keep, you know, I know even last season, Rajon Rondo spent so much time with Willie Cauley-Stein teaching him how to film study, uh, teaching him defensive calls and, and really, you know, how to be a vocal leader and all these things. And I, I think it's really interesting because, again, Vlade isn't really getting the props for uh, for the improvements that he's made to the culture of the team, which at this point I really do believe have had a tremendous effect. I mean, again, this is my seventh year covering the team. They've never been anywhere near the eighth spot, you know, in February since I've covered the team. And I think that's huge. Yeah, it is. And you have to give not only props to Vlade and the veterans and bringing them because Vlade understands we had a very delicate uh, or a fantastic, not delicate, a fantastic locker room when he was playing and and I was with Chris and and, uh, Mike and Bobby and all of those guys that there was it was a real nice vibe in the locker room whether it was win or loss there was a support that we gave to each other so I think he understands that so as he picks players I'm sure he's got that in mind of how do I put these chess pieces together to get the best out of them but then also you got to give credit to coach Yeager and his staff and watching them just work with the young players and stop them and talk to them and show them what they want and then let's do it again and this is an ongoing process that we've seen I've been around but I hadn't seen that part of it where you got guys out there every single day they're working on their dribbles they're working on their shots they're going through it and that is how you create a culture in the locker room and on the floor from the ownership and and uh, on down to, to Vlade and, and going over it, down to the coaching staff and ultimately the players that carry that same culture into the locker room, and it's, a, and it's a culture of support. It takes a while to foster and build, but you can see that it is definitely beginning. All right, Doug, we're not going to talk all the way home. That's never going to happen because we're not doing <laughs> – like an hour and 30 minute podcast and it takes us a long time to actually get back and forth um, we're in Fairfield now for, for those of you who are tracking us uh, sort of like uh, Santa you can track Santa's sleigh during Christmas <laughs> it, this is sort of like that except for 
we don't, we're not giving you any gifts. The gifts of CarCast. That's what we're gifts giving Gifts of you. knowledge. Gifts of knowledge. There the you gifts go. Gifts of CarCast. Um, all right, Doug. So what do you think? Are the Kings going to make a splash here? Or uh, or is this hmm. is this it? Is this they're going to go uh, through the last 25 games? That's where we're at. we got 25 games left. Are they going to battle with this group? And if this is the group, do they get in? I say that it's a tough call. If they do, I think it will be something small. If they do stick with this group, I think from what I'm seeing, I think they do get in. I I have a good feeling about them. I have a, you know, barring obviously injury and that sort of thing, I think this is a group that's learning how to play together. They're going to have the grit, and I think they like the taste that is in their mouth right now, and they come into this second half, and if they're healthy, they're going to give the Denver Nuggets, the Portland Trailblazers, and any of those teams everything that they want for that eighth spot. Okay, if they don't get in, is this season a failure? No, it's not a failure. And actually, if they don't get in and, and at whatever time you know that you're not going to make it, uh, you know, play your young players, continue. Because you've developed a, 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 a Malachi Richardson. You're beginning to develop Scal and Papa. Uh, you've seen a, 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 dr- a vast increase and in improvement in Ben McLemore. Willie Colley-Stein has shown you that he can absolutely be a player, not only on the defensive end, on the offensive end as well. And he is committed to continue to work. DeMarcus Cousins has skyrocketed and taken his game to a whole nother stratosphere. And then when you talk about uh, Collison and Lawson, these are players that now you can decide what you want to do, but you have a two-headed monster that on any given night they're going to equal statistically what any of the great point guards in the NBA are doing. Uh, I like what I see in Tolliver. you got a great guy in Temple. Matt Barnes continues to bring it every single night. You can go down the line with all of these guys, and from my standpoint, this has been a season of growth because, like you said, the Kings have not been competitive at this point of the season in years past, and they are year, this year. That is growth, my friend. All right. So that's going to do it for this edition of the CarCast. Uh, we, we've taken you all the way through Fairfield. Uh, we've made it all the way through Fairfield from downtown San Francisco. Uh, Doug, thanks so much for jumping on, and uh, we're going to do this again. I mean, we've got more games down the stretch. Uh, I actually enjoy the car cast. Anytime, man. Go Kings!